client gets very attached and they want to create something that they like. But really, at the end of the day, it's like you want to create something that your audience wants to see and what they want to like see every day and interact with your brand. They get too attached. They want it to look like what they want it to look like. And it kind of loses like the brand strategy behind the logo, like why it is what it is. Middle of our show, which you know what that means. Listen, listen, listen. <laughs> <laughs> I said, like, my favorite noise ever is, like, hearing my son cry for the first time, and this. <laughs> Maybe Bullet will give me a little shout out here. Bullet, what's up? What's going on, everybody? My name is Ryan Snod. It rhymes with odd, and you're watching and listening to the Rhymes with Odd podcast. Today, we are welcome with one of my homeboys from West Point, Iowa, <laughs> Dylan Mankey. What's up, man? How's it going? Well, actually, you're from Huffton, Huffton right? Huffton. Okay, Huffton. sorry. Close enough. Though. Southeastern yeah. Iowa people. We all hung in West Point, so. There you go. That's the party town. <laughs> um, so Dylan is a, a friend of mine, also uh, a graphic designer and a self-employed graphic designer now. So I uh, wanted to have you on today to talk about kind of your career path, getting into the graphic design world, and uh, learn a little bit more about you. So thanks so much for coming on, man. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, like I said earlier, this is the most professional podcast I've been a part of. So sure, got it. Got to be extra. We got to <laughs> yeah. be extra. So we are also drinking. For those listening, we are yes. drinking old fashions, and uh, our mixer of choice is the Bullet Bourbon. So Bullet, if you're out there um, looking for some sponsors on the pod, so uh, hit us up out here. So, but yeah, on today's show, also we're gonna have a trivia break in the middle. We're going to ask Dylan some Iowa Hawkeyes trivia because he is a huge Hawkeyes fan, and the loser will have to down their drink afterwards. So if he gets them all right, I'll lose, and vice versa. So, But first, before we get into all that fun, uh, Dylan, for those that don't know who you are, tell us uh, who you are and what you do. Yeah, I'm Dylan Meeky. Um, I'm currently based here in Des Moines as a graphic designer, freelance designer, um, and my primary focus within design is a lot of logo and branding work. So Sure. I would say like... When I think of logo design, that's like your main thing, right? What other stuff have you designed in, in your past? Yeah, so I mean, yeah, logo design is obviously pretty niche. Um, starting out, it was a lot of editorial, you know, more copy layout, stuff like that. And then I kind of went into a smaller agency where I worked and did a lot of packaging for craft breweries. So a lot of beer labels, 12-pack um, boxes, a lot, a lot of packaging in that kind of world. Um, and then kind of went back to... Where I'm in now, um, still heavy in the logo design, still doing more of the editorial stuff, website, digital, and but primary niche focus is logo and brand identity. Sure. Did you always know design was your route? Because you were really into art when you were younger, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess kind of going back to where it kind of all started, uh, grew up, you know, always played with Legos, um, always was drawing. Then come high school, you know, had the opportunity we'd take as many art classes as we wanted. I guess that was a benefit of going to a really tiny high school. Because um, what was your graduating class? 22 people in my graduating class. Sure. Yeah, so I had like two or three art classes that I took, which was awesome. I just kind of messed around and really had the ability to be creative in those classes. Um, and then from there, you know, after graduating high school, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to be something creative or something with my hands on, going back to like the um, Lego um, interest. Um, so first year at Iowa, um, I enrolled as an open major, which is essentially just like your first year, you kind of take whatever you want, which is super cool and definitely recommend it to anyone who doesn't know what they want to do with their life or their career. 
Um, and so like, with that, I kind of narrowed it down to two paths. I did engineering path, and then I did uh, an art studio or studio arts path. Mm. Um, so within that, like, were you doing like clay or yeah? Like- so studio arts, a lot of like painting, drawing, clay, which some of that stuff like I didn't have experience with coming from a small high school is more just drawing and painting. Um, and then with the engineering side of things, it was a lot of math, which I was always good with math, but it was too too much schooling to where it was less creative at that point. And it kind of what kind of made me take the leap to the design part of it. Um, they were just asking you to get off your ass and do some math, <laughs> math, math, math. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so it definitely wasn't the route. Um, within that first year of open major, um, I was introduced to some design programs on a computer. I was like, ooh, what is this? Like, I didn't know what graphic design was when I was even my freshman year of college. I had no idea what it was. Um, kind of came across this class, took it, fell in love with it. And it was just basically a class of like learning the basics of il- Illustrator. Um, and after that class is really kind of why... I'm a graphic designer now. That's kind of what made me fall in love with it. So Sure. That's super cool. Yeah. yeah, and it's like design is so different now with the tools, right? Before it's like, oh, you have to hand draw it. And if mm-hmm. you can't draw well, then you're probably not a very good designer. Or, yeah. you know, same thing with animation. Like if you're doing uh, animator stuff or movies or TV shows, but it's like, well, now CAD does it or computer programs do it. So yeah. were you guys introduced to the tools earlier? Did you have to manually do stuff and then they backed you into stuff later? Yeah, I mean, it was kind of, you're kind of just thrown into it blindly. Like, there were some people in my class within that illustrator class at Iowa that had a, came from a bigger high school, so they are already introduced to it in high school, and they already knew what graphic design was, where I didn't. Um, so I was just kind of thrown into it, and, like, they never went through and, like, said, oh, this is how you do this effect or this, you know, like, strategy. Like, they didn't teach you the program in the class, which made it difficult for me to where it was like me going back and watching a lot of YouTube videos of like how to do this within Illustrator. Um, But I think too, that is why I'm pretty efficient in Illustrator, just teaching myself, which was pretty cool to learn it that way. Sure, sure. Well, and I think it's funny too, because like I I got into a creative field, but my entire schooling was business. So Mm -hmm. it's like knowing that you went in, that's probably helped a lot just to have that. Because in state school, I would assume like once you pick a major, that's all you really do, right? It's just your core competency stuff like you're not taking I mean I had to take like African-American feminist literature when I was in college like yeah. you probably weren't taking a lot of stuff like that yeah nothing nothing crazy I mean I, I took sign language and uh, earth science some things I should have done in high school that I didn't and didn't have credits for to where at Iowa and the liberal arts program like you had to have certain credits for certain classes like that so I did those which just took the easy ones to get them out of the way and then focus obviously yeah more on the design art aspect of it so that's cool so yeah. i was known for a party school did you partake in your uh, fair share of uh alcoholic events i sure did <laughs> as we're here drinking on the show i mean we're from west point well huffton uh i will say many a time in high school that's how i knew you the best as we were yeah. saturday nights we'd be out cruising gravel yep. with a bunch of the guys cruising from htc <laughs> hanging out so um that's always fun yeah. what what's the uh, most memorable party or um evening in Iowa City or maybe you didn't even remember because it was so crazy man maybe I won't talk about the night I got arrested but uh (laughs) I think you know any home Iowa football game is you know the weekends you kind of live for when you go to Iowa and if you're athletics and you like following football basketball anything like that going to any of those home games is always super cool and super special 
Um, it's something I miss, miss doing now. So definitely I'd say any kind of home football game, especially basketball games, are always probably my highlights of college. Sure. No, I've uh, had some really funny experiences. Like uh, my first Hawkeye game ever, I showed up, and my stepdad and my mom, we parked in a parking lot and got out. And there's a drunk dude running down the street in his underwear at 9 a.m. with a <laughs> with a beer in his hand. And he's like, Iowa fucking city. And he just passed out in the middle of the street. And that was the sec- first time I'd ever been to Iowa City. I was like probably 9 or 10. I was like, this place is awesome. Yeah, it's crazy. And yeah. then another time I went to go visit Lucas Pites when he was a mm-hmm. freshman. Um, we showed up at the freshman – or I showed up at the freshman dorm at 2 in the afternoon on game day. And there was a girl getting uh, carted out in an ambulance because she had alcohol poisoning <laughs> at two in the afternoon. And I'm like, yeah. I'm looking at my phone. I'm like, I think this is the right they, place. They start early, yeah. Yeah. So it was kind of funny. Like, just the, I know if I went to Iowa, I don't think I would have finished because it's like, there's. Yeah. I think, I feel like, I don't want to speak for most people, but like for me, like, I got most of that like the first year or two. And then kind of from there, it's like, all right, I got to kind of focus more like real life is approaching and you know i have two years left so it's time kind of time to focus like still went out and had fun but um definitely more of a narrow focus on things i was doing sure sure well and it's it's hard though because it's like date big skate school no one's breathing down your neck where you been why aren't you at class like you could easily just screw off the whole time because like, yeah. so i went to um simpson was like a smaller private and like each class is like 30 to 50 so like mm-hmm. you get to know the professors people are yeah. like oh why weren't you here whatever um, then I'd made the fatal mistake of uh, doing the math and figuring out how much each class cost me for tuition. And it was like 450 bucks per class. And I was like every day, like if I didn't go to class, it's like per, per yeah. set classroom session. That made like, you start going more often. I never missed. I'm yeah. like, I'm, I'm like, I am paying way too much money to not come here. So that was kind of my motivation to do yep, it. So. For sure. so you finish at Iowa, you graduated yep. um, in four years. Yep. Unlike some people that yeah. go to state school. So yeah. great. Um, walk me through kind of your post-grad situation. What would you do to, to get some work going? Yeah. So, um, I guess, guess kind of going back a little bit to when I was in college, uh, I lucky enough to have an opportunity to work at an in-house agency within the university of Iowa. So we basically worked on like two to 400 different clients that were all affiliated with the university of Iowa. So different, um, departments and campaigns on campus that we did a lot of the branding for, um, digital ads for, print materials for. So that really is what also got me introduced into the kind of graphic design world. And from there, it kind of helped me jump to, you know, after graduation, kind of landing a job and kind of how to approach that. Um, but yeah, being in the graphic design field or any art field, maybe in general, um, it's definitely hard to get a job right away out of college unless you have like a ton of experience. Or a portfolio, just a like portfolio. amazing looking. Exactly. Yeah. I'm not, like, I didn't have a portfolio. Like, I didn't really know what graphic design was, like I was saying. So, like, I was pretty limited. Um, so, luckily, I had that job at the University of Iowa that really built up that portfolio for me. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I probably applied to probably 50 jobs, which is nuts. And, like, out of those 50, maybe only heard back from like five to eight. Um, and out of those, like only two to three of those were maybe serious where I actually went and had like interviews and actually met with the team and stuff like that. Um, so it's kind of discouraging, but you know, the more you do it, eventually you land one. Um, fortunate enough, I, uh, my first intern or job internship was here in Des Moines, um, at 818 design, um, the little branding agency downtown. And that's, uh, they focus primarily on branding. So that was the one that I mentioned earlier. Um, a lot of, uh, craft breweries that we did branding for, you know, whether that was for logo work, packaging, um, so I was there for my intern, so probably three to four months. Um, and actually during that same time here in Des Moines, I worked at a small, uh, oh, what do you want to call it? Uh, a flooring company. So I delivered carpet to people since my part or my internship was part-time. So I did that. Was it, was it a paid internship? 
Yeah, it was paid internship, okay. but like it was only like two or three days a week, so mm-hmm. it didn't really fill up my week. So then I did the the flooring company the other th- two to three days each week, which was which was fun. Um, but yeah, after you know after that internship, I still didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. Like, did I want to work at an agency and have like different clients to work on to where I had more creative freedom, or did I want to work at an agency where I was the main designer there and was you know working from a brand style guide and had very strict guidelines of what I was creating. Um, so after that internship, I left there and then moved um, just downtown Des Moines a couple blocks and uh, had a job at Greater Des Moines Partnership, which I also worked there. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. I forgot about that. I wasn't in the marketing department though because all the marketing people would come crying like during lunch because they're all like all the girls were like I'm gonna get fired. Stressed this out. This is so terrible. Yeah, and I'm was, downtown. I'm down there's eating. I'm like. What's up? Because I was like a marketing person for one specific group at yeah. the partnership. So. Partnership does a lot. So, yeah, marketers are always super stressed, um, which I was on that team, but I was like the only designer um, essentially there. You know, I worked within a brand style guide, so I did all their branding. Like their branding was already established, but I was applying it to different materials. You know, there's a lot of uh, social ads, a lot of like billboard stuff that you see around the city. Um, really just things that like was promoting the city of Des Moines and trying to bring people in. So that was a different aspect. Um, and you know, I worked there for a year, definitely wasn't for me, like having to be strictly working within a brand style guide just kind of limits your creative freedom. Yeah. It's like, here's the rules. Don't color outside the lines, which has to be hard for someone like you. That's you're, you're a creative, creative, you know, and especially with the company that's already like been established for a while, they're kind of set in their ways and don't really want to change some of that thing, uh, or some of those things. So that's kind of made it a struggle. Um, but it was a cool learning opportunity. Um, I was there for a year. And then I actually, funny enough, went back to the job I was at that I interned um, and then worked there for another three years. Oh, wow. So basically doing the same stuff. I was like the main lead designer there, art director, I guess you want to call it, um, and led all of the branding, um, whether, you know, that was, you know, website front ends, same thing with like packaging, beer packaging, logos, a little bit of everything there at 818, um, which was cool. Kind of put my hands in a lot of different industries and materials and stuff like that. So that was a great, you know experience to have sure well and it's i I mean i hate myself i hate brand style guides because i always have to use them for client videos like here's our branding do not go outside of the lines i'm like yeah but i have this really cool like lower thirds package that like i just want to tweak it no don't do it i'm like okay i'll get the color like 99 percent right like ryan just stick to the style guide i'm like (laughs) okay fine so i i kind of like working with clients that don't have style guides because i can just like do whatever which is kind of fun but i was i was that person too like always kind of forcing them to work out of the brand style guide but it was kind of always got pushback from the people that were higher up it's like dang but i mean at least i tried which is always the cool part but sure sure so i know we talked right like probably six months before you left because i remember you reached out to me and being like hey Mm you kind of went off on your own. What, what's that like? What are you thinking about? Blah, blah, blah. And we kind of talked about it. So what was kind of the, the things going into your mind to consider doing yeah. your own business full time? Yeah. Probably one of the most like stressful, stressful decisions I've had to make. And it kind of just happened like out of the blue, which is really weird. Um, I don't want to really want to say it was a miracle because I worked my way up to, to what happened. But when I was at 818, um, I had two agencies actually the same week reach out to me um, and ask, you know, for like an interview, see what my work capability was. They liked my logo work um, and then met with both of them and actually started with both of them like a month or two after with meeting them as I was still at my full-time job. 
Um, so that there was like a super like stressful moment because I was still managing, had to give all my focus to my full-time gig. Yet I also still wanted to give a lot of focus to these other two agencies that reached out because in the back of my head, I knew I wanted to go on my own eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, so really managing all of that was super stressful. And basically, I mean, what made the decision was when, you know, I had so much from the agency in New York that I work with, the agency in Maine that I work with, um, you know, when they sent me so much work that, you know, it was, I wasn't able to do it. That's when I was like, okay, this is the time where I can actually quit my full-time job. Now I have, you know, the hours and the work that is needed to, you know, fulfill me full-time. Sure. So it wasn't as much of a (laughs) leap off the cliff and hope that it works. It's more like the boat kind of butted up next to yours and you just like stepped over the other boat and just kind of drifted. Yeah, I'd say I was pretty fortunate. You know, it just kind of happened like both reached out that week. And yeah, I I don't think I would ever be the one that would just quit my full-time job without anything planned. I think that would be hard. Um, Just, you know, finding that work, having that grind would be definitely something I'm capable of doing, but just something very hard to do, like first out of the gate. So Sure. No, I was the same way. I know I worked at my agency for four and a half years before I left. And the last year I was there, I took all my PTO nights and weekends to shoot videos like outside of work. So it was like work a 12 hour day, three days straight or four days straight, and then take the fifth day, like Friday, and then go fly to Oklahoma or Texas or whatever and go shoot all weekend and then come home and do it again. So it's like, yeah, I'm definitely like same as you, like more of a risk averse entrepreneur. People always say entrepreneur, but I'm like entrepreneur, like textbook definition is like, a business person that takes an uh, inordinate amount of risk to start a business. I'm like, I'm yeah. kind of the opposite. I'm just like, I'm like, take a little bit of risk. I don't like, I'm not going to go yeah. Vegas style and go throw the dice on my yeah, whole life, you know? Exactly how I was as well. Yeah. And it's like, you know, full time job that you come home and then you have another full time job with those other two clients that you're trying to, you know, get more hours with. So yeah, it was just a lot to manage. And once it became too much, that's just when, you know, made the leap. But, sure. Sure. So how long have you been self employed? Yeah, so I've been doing this for about almost two years. I think just over a year and a half, um, March of 21, I believe. My years are thrown off. But yeah, just just over a year and a half been doing it full time. Sure. And, and what's your favorite part of being kind of your own boss, if that's even a, a phrase that's <clears throat> accurate still? Mm, yeah, I, I feel like there's a lot of, you know, just freedom of when you can work, which is nice. But uh, I think I think the best part is just, uh, you're kind of forced to learn on your own because you're not around other people unless, you know, you're in a co-working space. Like for me, for instance, I'm at home, so I'm kind of like forced to reach out to people to learn different techniques or methods or learn new tools about different programs when they update. So just having the ability to learn things on the go is, I think, awesome. Um, sometimes not something you had time for at you know, the agency life because it was so busy all the time to where there's more, I feel like a little more downtime, yet you're working more hours on your own. It feels like more downtime, but you're still working more hours, but you're not technically always working on client stuff. You're learning other, you know, techniques and methods and things sure. in the industry. Sure. So are you, would you, do you bill per hour? Or do you do like project flat rates for things? <sighs> yeah, that's always the difficult part. It's mm-hmm. like, what do you charge? How do you do it? Um, it's really, you know, with the agency in New York that I work with, the agency in Maine that I work with, and I also do some contract work with a couple agencies here in Des Moines. All of those are hourly. Um, but then for my own personal work that I, you know, when I promote, promote my own work and get those clients and bring them in, um, if it's a logo project, it's definitely project based. So it's a set package rate it includes, you know, different things within that package set sure. price. Um, and then, yeah, you know, some of the other stuff that I get personally, like if it's like print, print materials, digital cars, like digital media or social media ads, stuff like that. Like I have a better idea of the hours it'll take. So those are just easier to track hourly. Sure. So it's kind of both. 
Sure, yeah. sure, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I know like some people just have like different opinions on self-employment versus staying with it. I think it just depends on the person too, because you can always mm-hmm. say you don't like it in three years, five years, whatever. You could always just like go back and work for an agency no. directly, or if you get headhunted by somebody, like you're keeping options open, which is always good. And I think a lot of people just get stuck in like a, I can't leave this job. Cause did you have that kind of feeling when you were leaving your, cause it's your first job. Like uh, when you're going off on your own, there's probably gotta be a little bit of guilt or like, Oh, kind of like your stomach kind of is in a pit when you're deciding if you want to do it or not. Yeah. There was definitely that thought in the back of my head. Um, but at the end of the day, it's always what's best for you, you know, when it comes down to it. Um, definitely. Yeah. I felt terrible. I almost, I think I probably, I think I did actually tear up like the day I quit. I'm like, I felt bad. I loved the place. Mm-hmm. Did sweet work, like awesome clients to work with different stuff. Like, you came in every day, never knew what you're going to work on. It's so, like that's super cool. Sure, it's so craft, craft beer brands. Yeah, like, who like, couldn't you, like you that? drank beer at work all the time, and like <laughs> this is awesome. Like you're a beer tester as well, so like it was a super cool environment to be in. Um, but I just knew after you know three years, it just wasn't the place for me to grow. Um, I feel like you know taking that leap, being on my own, I could definitely see myself growing to different levels that I couldn't at the other places. Sure. I love that. So for, for the people that are listening to, I mean, you've been in this space for a while. What would you say is like the biggest um, mistake that you see with people with their logo and brand work? Cause I feel like there's some obviously do's and don'ts and it's a creative thing, but also like if someone's trying to make their own logo or do that crap, what, what's some of the the hiccups that most people see or the, the problems you see a lot of people do. Yeah, I mean, I think when it comes to, you know, whether it's logo specifically or just a brand in general, being consistent is probably the big thing you see most days of how people screw stuff up and, you know, just not being consistent with how the logo's used or how the brand looks, you know, whether that's typography, color, how that's all arranged, or even when it's more brand focused, when it's like, you know, um, you're not consistent when it comes to your tone and messaging and all that stuff. I think just being consistent is what you see the most and where people kind of fall short of. So there's definitely other things. I'm trying to think of, you know, what else some of those might be, but I think consistency is probably the number one that comes to mind. Sure. Sure. Well, and there's like, I mean, there's general rules of thumb, like luxury brands are almost always minimal, like um, very plain, basic that looks better. You know, Um, I've seen these, like a lot of these TikTokers that do like a, redesign McDonald's to make it look like it's a luxury logo brand. It's like, it actually does kind of, I'm like, dang, I'd probably like buy a Ferrari from them now after they've already like designed the whole thing. So I think that's always interesting too, is like thinking about what, how that impact is for people. Because I remember specifically, there was a really good photographer in Des Moines. I won't say his name, but he did really great work. And then he handed me one of his business cards and I saw his website and it was like a cartoon animation character of him. Like he had like a pompadour haircut and mm-hmm. it was like a Jimmy Neutron figurine <laughs> on his business card. I'm like, why the hell would you do that? And then his whole logo, every, everything is like that. Yeah. yeah I'm so like, I, why? It just it just degrades like your value in the marketplace, I think, anyway. Yeah, I think that brings another point of like a lot, a lot other thing that like brands and their companies and businesses are fail to do is like, you know, you in the logo design process, you the client gets very attached and they want to create something that they like. But really, at the end of the day, it's like you want to create something that your audience wants to see and what they want to like see every day and interact with your brand. To where a lot of times we've I've come across like companies and businesses they get too attached. They want it to look like what they want it to look like, and it kind of loses like the brand strategy behind the logo, like why it is what it is. Um, but yeah, kind of back to your point on that. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of like finding new work, 
what's kind of your the way you go about that, or do you just typically stay with your two or three agencies that they kind of throw work your way all the time? Yeah, so like definitely been fortunate enough, you know, since I went on my own two almost two years ago. I haven't even posted on social media in two years since I've had these contract gigs because I'm so busy and swamped with work. Mm -hmm. Um, It's really nice with all of those within like the four or five that I have. It's ongoing contract work um, and they bring in the projects. So I'm not out looking for work or anything. They come, they bring it to their, like their, the agency gets it and they outsource it to contractors, me. Um, And I'm fortunate enough to be like the lead designer in most of those teams to where those projects come to me first. I um, mean, depending on my timeline, you know, I can say yes or no to it or push, ask if they can push timeline out. Mm-hmm. So super flexible in that, which is awesome. And it's kind of, you know, maybe not have to promote my own work as much, which I also don't like, which I'm currently in a slow, like two weeks has been pretty slow with agency life. So I'm currently, you know, updating my website, getting stuff ready to post on social media because it's been two years that I haven't posted a thing. Sure. So is, that, like, is that how the agencies found you initially? It was like Instagram or Behance or how'd they find you initially? So yeah, kind of like how I mentioned earlier, like it seemed like a miracle they both reached out at the same time, but really they didn't just randomly reach out. Like before that, I was posting about two to four times a week Okay. Um, on Instagram and Dribbble um, consistently every week for about a year and a half. And that's what kind of gained that traction to where they saw my work. Mm-hmm. Um and reached out so that's really dope yeah Yeah. i know like when i decided january of this year i was like okay for the next six months i'm gonna productize or processize my like i want to do instagram reels really heavily because they were so favored like january to you know uh, june so i hired a company that did all the editing for me i just shot them one hour um a month i would just sit down and record like 20 or 30 videos in an hour and then ship it off it was done and then my Instagram went from like 1,700 to like, I think there's almost 8,000 followers now. And like, and that was almost within like a month or two process. So it's yeah. like, like you said, the consistency really pays off and all it takes it is one post to go yeah. kind of bonkers. And then you're like, well, now there's a whole backlog of stuff that people can watch or listen to yeah. or, you know, like or comment on. So that's really cool. Yeah. And that's kind of where I'm at now. It's like slow. So might as well build that back up because I want to keep posting to where I still get these different opportunities that approach me and you know see where those go so i think yeah being consistent even on posting social on social media and stuff like that is very important love that yeah. awesome well now we're at the middle of our show which you know what that means listen 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 <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna top each other off here this is the part where it's a game show on the podcast we're doing a game show so we'll throw in some game show music there afterwards Basically, I have some questions for Dylan pre- uh, prepared. Um, he went to Iowa. He's an Iowa Hawkeyes fan. So hopefully he gets these right. The How rules... big of a fan and fan am I now well, if I get these wrong? We're going to figure it out here, too. <laughs> How long, or when did you start watching the Hawkeyes? Probably when you were a kid? Oh, yeah. I don't even remember, to be honest. Okay. Well, this should be really easy then. Hopefully. So we have five questions here. One of them is not um, Hawkeye-related. The other four are. So... If Dylan gets it right, I drink. If he gets it wrong, he drinks. Okay. First question. This is the non-Hawkeye related question. What was the name of the Nike logo designer who was paid $35 for the multi-billion dollar logo design for Nike? This is terrible. I don't know this. She's probably like the most well-known logo designer of all time. I even read an article on her like two weeks ago. Um... Oh, it's just gonna make me mad. I can even picture her and everything. It's a woman. Yes, <laughs> I know. I, I don't. Throw a guess. 
Margaret? No. I'll give you one more shot. You got five Man. seconds. This makes me look bad as a logo designer. Did I lose credibility here? No, you just <laughs> don't know who designed the. Know. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Her name is Carolyn Davidson. Ah, yes. Yes. So I looked it up. She put 17 and a half hours into the design and she was paid $35. But yeah, the Carolyn's texting, you bastard, you forgot my name. <laughs> um, so you got a drink. Oh, yes. Yes. So we're. He is zero for one here, folks. I thought he might know it, though, because the. The Nike movie just came out. Um, what's it called? Air. What's it called? Air. Pretty sure. I don't the, even know. You never saw it? No. There's Michael just Jordan now, story. Recently? It's it's a story about how the uh, Nike signed Michael Jordan. Their first oh, wow. like huge eight, and he has a percentage. I'm behind. I need so to get well, anyway, out. long story short, I'll I'll ruin the movie for you. He signs a deal with Nike, and he gets a percentage. I think it's five percent of the gross revenue of every shoe sold with Air Jordan. Yep. So he makes like passive in, passively each year. It's like six hundred and fifty million dollars a year because yep. they do like billions of Air Jordan. It's like crazy. Oh, it's crazy. It's crazy. Anyway, <laughs> okay. So we're off to the good start here. Um, okay, for those people that don't know, um, Iowa graduate has graduated the most NFL tight ends of all time. There are three hundred and sixty-five tight ends that have come out of Iowa Hawkeyes that have gone into the NFL. So they're the number, like the most out of any college, which is pretty cool. Of those 360 tight ends, name four that you know that are tight ends that went into the NFL that used to be Hawkeyes. Ooh, okay. Noah Fant, TJ Hawkinson, uh, George Kittle. Probably the most obvious one. He was just drafted this season. I know there's multiple players this season. Oh, this is bad. Maybe not him. Maybe maybe the most. Thinking Luke Lackey, but he's he's got another year left. Yep. Um, oh oh yes, brown hair. Um, mm-hmm. You just need one more. Give me a hint. I know it. The last name starts with an L. I can picture him. Yeah, that's good. Brown hair, short. You got to get it or else you got to drink again. <laughs> okay, time's up. Laporta. Laporta, yep. yes. But the most obvious Sam one, Laporta, yeah. Yep, the most obvious one was Dallas Clark. So mm-hmm. he was the the main OG. And then yeah, Kittle, Kittle's in the, in the for the 49ers. So over two. That's okay, though. I, are these like, I mean, these are reachable. I should have gotten those. Okay, okay. That's, that's pretty fine. sad on my part. Okay. This one should be a, a slam dunk for you. Who is the winningest Iowa Hawkeyes head football coach? Kirk. Ferentz. Hayden Fry? Is he? No, it's Hayden Fry. Is it? Yep. I thought Kirk Ferentz passed it. We'll both drink for that one. Wow. You got it right. Dang. I'm, well, longest tenured coach. There you go. Yeah, Kirk, if he stays in, he's like 95. I thought he passed keep... him recently. I don't, I don't think so. Oh. Fun fact, we I was can, at we a wedding with him two weekends ago. Kirk? Kirk yeah, it's pretty Dude, cool. did you get his autograph? I didn't. It was like a smaller wedding, so it was like kind of awkward, like, you don't really want to approach him. Sure. And most of the people at the wedding were like football players and like fans, so I was like, yeah, just sit back and be quiet and watch. Sure, Stare like a weirdo. One of my podcast clients, we just had, one of their guests, he lives in Waukee, is a former NFL wide receiver, so he played Mm -hmm. for the Bears and the, I think the Carolina Panthers, some other people, Josh Lentz, familiar, but he went to Iowa State, so I don't know any Iowa State people very much, because I'm also a Hawkeye fan, so... 
That's good. You got one, a half a one on Dang. there. Okay, next question. Of all the sports of the Iowa Hawkeyes, which sports team has the most national championships? Oh, that one's easy. If I get this one wrong, it's bad. It really would be. Wrestling. It is wrestling, Can correct. I, do I get double points if I guess how many? Is it 23 or 24? 26. 26? But I'll drink oh. for that one because it was pretty close, so. For those that don't know, us in Nebraska are like number one and number two seed in the national rankings for wrestling every single year. So, along with Penn State, Ooh. That bourbon's a little. <laughs> All right, I think we're tied up here. Uh, we got, I got one, two. Yeah, we're about tied. We're about tied. Okay, nice. So, the tiebreaker. This one might throw you, but you, it might be common knowledge. Okay, so you're familiar with the Field of Dreams movie yep. that was set in Dyersville. Which town has a replica of this in Iowa for a upcoming TV show mm-hmm. to be aired on Peacock where they're going to make a Field of Dreams television show? They have built a new stadium, not in Dyersville. Yep. Which town is this place built? Oh. It's on a fam. It's like a family that owns the land. Yeah, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. just saw this as well the other day in an article. Mm-hmm. It's in the register. Oh. I, I don't think I'm gonna guess this one. I'll give you a hint. I live in this town. Polk City. It is in Polk City. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Dang, we can okay. both drink for that one. I kind of right. handed it to you, but nice. So it's like five minutes from my house where they oh, built sweet. it. So it's officially a tie. Tie. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> So, I should have had those. That's embarrassing. No, that's good. I mean, the tight ends, like I got George Kittle and Dallas Clark yeah. immediately when I was like thinking of that question. And then I'm like, I don't know anyone else. But then like Laporta, I'm like, oh, geez. Well, yeah. he just, I think it's the Lions just drafted him. So yep. I'm like, there's got to be other ones. And then I was thinking like, uh, I know a tight end that played against us in high school was, um, oh my gosh. Um, why can't I think of his name? Um, he transferred to Indy from Iowa Westland. Yeah, he yeah. he was he was in Mount Pleasant. Um, Krieger Koble. Oh, that was his name. So yep. we played basketball against him, and all of Mount Pleasant's team was like six five and above. Like their point guard six yeah. five. He's six five. I got dunked on so hard, I got nuts slapped in my chin <laughs> in front of everybody. It was terrible. But he ended up going on to play for the Hawkeyes. So I'm glad he yep. that somebody's benefiting from name. his yeah. athletic ability. <laughs> played against him in high school. So uh, very cool. Okay, so switching it back to yeah. not trivia. Um, what's the biggest, um, pros and cons of, I mean, we both kind of followed the same path. We went small town, Iowa. We live in Des Moines now. What, in your opinion, what is the best parts of living in Des Moines and what's some of the worst parts about living in a city? Wow. That's a good question. I mean, best parts, obviously, I mean, from where we're from, you know, you have to drive 15, 20, 30 minutes to the nearest, uh, grocery store. Or like for me, for instance, growing up, like I drove three minutes to high school every morning. Like that was crazy. So like, I think just being here in Des Moines, like being connected to everything, you know, whether that's grocery store, bars, restaurants, any kind of activity you want to do, hobbies, like it's all in a central hub, which is super cool. Um, dude, so many people here are like, oh my God, it's 25 minutes away. I'm not going that. I'm like, dude, yeah. we, to do anything, you had to drive 25 minutes. Yeah, anything. Like, it's nothing. Like, even if like you go to like Chicago or New York, like if you're, if the drive somewhere, like it's going to take you even longer. It might be a shorter distance wise, but like driving, like, there's so much traffic and stuff. It's going to take you a while. So I, I feel like we're kind of blessed here in Des Moines. It has, you know, the big town feel, small town feel, 
you know, it's kind of a merge of both, which I love. Sure. I would um, say my my least favorite thing of living in Des Moines or in the city, there's three things I would say. One, having to make reservations to go somewhere to eat. Ooh, yeah. Hate, hate doing that. I'm like, I'm just going to show up. Like, you guys should be... That's why you don't eat out on the weekends. There you go. Yeah, just don't do it. That's the first <laughs> step. Um, second is parking. Paying for parking is the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. Yep. Like, I'm going to park on the street, but I have to pay the city to do it. And if I don't, they're going to find me for not... I'm like, screw you guys. Like, stupidest thing ever. Yeah. Um, now, Des Moines has, like, auto parking with an app and stuff, which is nicer, but it's annoying as hell. And then the last thing would also just be... Um, when there's big events going on, you can't really go anywhere. Like we're we're recording this the day before Ragbrag comes through yep. Des Moines. The path goes two blocks away from my house. So like mm-hmm. hopefully I can get out tomorrow. Um, maybe not. I don't know. Like my gym, it's going in front of my gym. So they're like, we're closed because <laughs> 75,000 bicyclists yeah. are driving or riding like a record bike. this year. Of how many yeah. people? Yeah. 50th year. Yeah. So I'm like, well, that kind of sucks. But other than that, I would say it's nice. What, what are some uh, nicer things about living in the city? You mentioned just the you're able to like options yeah just being close options yeah um, man I don't know you know I I feel like for me that's probably like one of the main things because like growing up in a, on a farm in the country like I miss that life like just being outside doing whatever you want to want to do like out riding four wheelers out just out and about like go outside naked if you want like you don't like you have to worry about that now like i just bought a house like i can't go out in my backyard naked and take a piss or anything like it's just weird stuff like that like i miss the country life um i'm trying yeah what else those are good options i think I would say. you meet more people too like not only you know is everything more convenient you know there's more options but like there's more of a opportunity to meet new people so like being in the creative field there's surprisingly a lot more creative people that live here in Des Moines there's a lot of creative agencies like I didn't know that like and now that I've lived here you know four or five years um I've kind of dap- like met a lot of more of those people which is super cool like otherwise I wouldn't have met those people um I think living in a bigger city gives you more of those opportunities you know once you make those connections um, it could lead to different job opportunities or projects. Um, so making those connections, I think is definitely a benefit for sure. No. And I, I would say like, I talked to my family cause of my, on my dad's side, there's like 60 of us and mm-hmm. I'm the only one that's more than 20 minutes away from West Point. Yeah. So it's like, Oh, you big city boy, blah, blah. But it's also like, I could never do what I do for a living in Southeast Iowa. Yeah. There's like not enough businesses with not yeah. enough money that would need yeah. video marketing services. They just, it's you just could, not a thing. You could work from home, but you couldn't get the clients locally that you do here. Sure. Yeah. Sure. So yeah. it's like that I think is a huge um, benefit obviously is like I can run my business from here. Yeah. And now that I've been here working for seven years, I wouldn't like yeah. leave because then you're going to lose all the client base if you go to a new city too. Yeah. But I think that's, that's, that's a really key point too. Um, what's your favorite restaurant in Des Moines? Put you on the spot. Probably, I'm a big burger fan. As of recently, La Shell's has really good burgers. Okay, where's where are they at? Uh, on Ingersoll downtown. Um, great. Food. If you're watching, sponsorship. We're looking for sponsorship. La Shell's. <laughs> send a send a check our way. Smash we- burgers, like oh, okay. I can't go wrong. Sure. Um, so that's probably like American food wise. Sure. Um. I would say my my favorite like date night place is Simon's on Franklin. Mm. Um, it's like yeah. Italian. You ever been there? Before? I've heard of it. I've never been. Dude, you got to go like early because whenever Paige and I go, it's like a two hour wait. Yeah, we don't we don't go now because we have kids. And it's like we have a sitter. It's like well, two hours of the time I'm paying a sitter to watch. It's like we're waiting in line. Yep. 
But the owner, um, his dad, who started the um, restaurant, he makes gets up early and makes a red velvet cake every morning. Ooh. So you get a free piece of red velvet cake with every meal, and the yeah. manager like walks you out, and he's like, "Thank you for coming." That's sweet. It's so nice. It's like, and they're reasonable. It's not like yeah. crazy expensive. It's, it's like your dinner, like with a drink and in the entrees are like 60, 70 bucks. Yeah. So not if terrible. I remember, right, I feel like Des Moines has per capita like the most restaurants in like the country. I could be wrong, but I think I heard that, which sure. is nuts. Like every week you go out and about, like you see a new restaurant popping up or a bar. It's nuts. I also throw in Miyabi Nine if sushi oh, fans. Like yes. that's by far best sushi here in Iowa. They're legit um, Japanese oh, sushi. It's good. So yeah. I took a, a class in college, uh, Blue Jeans and Kimonos. <laughs> it was a Japanese culture class. So I didn't have to take Spanish or, ja- or German or anything. I didn't learn the language. We just like watched two-hour videos of fireworks shows. Mm-hmm. And we got, <laughs> we got a literal grade for going to Miyabi Nine. And doing sake bombs with my professor. Oh, that's awesome. So we were like, sake, sake, bomb. <laughs> and the, the guy was like this huge uh, sumo wrestler in Japan, and he moved to yeah. Iowa and started a Miyabi 9. Oh, I didn't know that. But he lost like 200 pounds, and they're like, how did you lose the weight? He's like, I just stopped eating six bowls of rice a day. <laughs> <laughs> All those carbs. Yeah. He's like, I have a lot of loose skin. And I was like, oh, okay, dude. So yeah, yeah. love Miyabi Great 9. Great place. Great place to go. Yeah, and if you're ever in Cedar Falls, I, I've been telling a lot of people about this. It's called Bobby Q's Hawaiian Barbecue. Oh, funny they, story. I did their branding. You did not. Yeah, so that's my fiance's uh, cousin. No Bobby. shit. Bobby, yeah. Great, Dude. great, like authentic Hawaiian food. You, you had to have tried it, right? Oh, it's great, yes. Like yeah. the, the, what's it called, the Spam Sushi Roll? I haven't had the Spam Sushi Roll. He just gave me one because like, it sounds gross, but you got to try yeah, it. So I tried this it. This food's really good. Yeah. Super fresh and I've asked all my stuff. UNI friends, I said- how have you gone there? And like, no, it must have just opened recently in like the last two, three years. Yeah, two years maybe. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Two so years. that I always tell people you're in Cedar Falls, Iowa, yeah. northern Iowa. Check out barbecues. Like, yeah, it's like the only option for that kind of food in that area. Sure. So it's good like, place to go. Absolutely. Love it. Awesome, man. So um with future plans mm-hmm. and stuff, like what's kind of on your radar the next five or six years? You're engaged, right? Yeah. Congratulations. Engaged, getting when, married soon. When's the wedding? September 16th, oh. so very soon, yeah. Um, yeah, life-wise, yeah, we bought a house, um, engaged, getting married. We got a dog. My fiance's got baby fever, so that's probably happening soon. Oh, sure. That'll happen. <laughs> yeah, we're having um, number two in January. I know how that goes, so. Yeah, crazy. <laughs> busy, busy, busy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, otherwise, life-wise, that's about it for that. Um, otherwise, career-wise, yeah, I definitely just want to keep growing. Um, kind of want to become the Aaron Draplin of the industry is like the ultimate goal. For okay. those who don't know Aaron Draplin, like he's probably one of the main logo designers now these days, in the last decade probably. Does a lot of work for Nike, a lot of snow burning companies. Um, but really just getting to that point where, you know, you're working less per week, yet you're still making just as much when you work like, you know, crazy 60, 70 hour weeks. That happens sometimes. Um, so really just getting those bigger, um, logo projects on my personal end less with like you know i still want to do contract work but i want to get to the point where i'm just bringing it on my own and i have like you know a slight few two to three projects per month that kind of you know support me and the family so that's definitely the goal i love that yeah and we've had conversations (laughs) offline about some of that stuff because it's like when you get the project in I mean, when you're going through an agency, it's kind of a set rate where you can only imagine what they're making on the front end of that, you know, versus what they're paying you out. So, yep. but it's also like consistent work, so you can't really bash on it too much. Yeah. But it's like, I just know, like when I sub for other shooters for NVIDIA, it's like, 
there's a very small like range that you can charge compared yep. to like if you go direct to the customer. Yep. That's just the secret sauce that was like, how do you find a customer that's like looking actively looking for yeah. a b- new brand? They're already established. They have money. Like it's it's the hard. That's decision. what brings up kind of too like another thing great about living in Des Moines. Like you know one of my agency jobs is in New York City. The other ones in Maine. So like. East Coast versus Des Moines. Cost of living in Des Moines is way lower than New York City, obviously. Sure. So, like, I'm getting paid more of, you know, a higher rate. Sure. Um, do they, do they take in that Iowa. into account or do they not care? You know, I mean, you kind of set – you set your own mm-hmm. uh, hourly rate um, and go from there. And, you know, I've been fortunate enough. The teams I work with are awesome and super, you know, competitive with all that. So it's been – I mean, it's just been awesome. Sure. Fortunate enough to not have any problems with that. Um, but, yeah, I think just – kind of brought up that point, you know, like living in a small town, cost of living is a lot less, yet you're working with agencies in bigger cities that pay a little more than what you're used to. So that's definitely a, definitely a cool benefit to have. Sure. No, I love that. Because I know, um, I don't know if you were aware, but Paige grew up in Donaldson and one of her neighbors mm-hmm. was, uh, he's a special effects animator for like Transformer movies, like a lot of Michael Bay stuff, oh, wow. lives in mm-hmm. Donaldson full time. And he'll like... Currently still lives Yeah. There? Yeah. Like uh, grew up there, like... Him and his son both do it for like, well, I think it's like Universal and Time Warner and these like huge companies. So they work remote. They get paid LA wages. And then sometimes they have to fly out for productions if they need to like, you know, see a scene before weigh in or meet with the board or whatever. But like Mm -hmm. most of it, they just live in small town Iowa and they get LA wages, but they (laughs) were the. Like that's even smaller than Des Moines. Like that's, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, Donaldson's yeah. like 600 people. Yeah, like, it's like, yeah. like I think yeah. average household income where we're from is like 30,000 a year and they're probably getting like hundreds of thousands yeah. a year. So it's like, that's really cool yep. to like, if you can game the system. I know yep. Google Google came out with a thing recently where they were saying um, they would um, salary adjust based on your location because a lot of their engineers would like move to Alabama, which is the cheapest state yep. to live in. I've been seeing that. And I think, again, average income in the entire state of Alabama is like 32,000 a yep. year. So people do these digital nomad jobs there, um, get their LA, New York, whatever wages, and then they live there. So I think that's just uh, the pros and cons of it, but that's cool, man. Well, thanks so much for being on the show, man. Uh, any, any, uh, final thoughts or where can people find you if they want to hire you to do their logo for you? Yeah. Um, hit me up on my Instagram, which I don't remember the tag, which is really sad. (laughs) Go to my website at dylanmeekydesign.com. It's currently um, under work, but by the time this podcast comes out, hopefully it is finished and nicely polished, and you can hit me up there. That's awesome, man. Yeah, Yeah, and if you're uh, looking for a Christmas gift for him, you still drink PBR, right? PBR, Bush Light, (laughs) and Old Fashions. Old Fashions, there you go. Well, hey, man, thanks so much for being on the show. Uh, Hopefully I'll be on next time. My name is Ryan Snod. It rhymes with odd, and you're watching and listening to the Rhymes with Odd podcast. We're out. Peace.